All right. Well, welcome everybody again to the Nefesh podcast. I think this is episode 52. We are excited that you are with us and I am so excited to have Dr. Ashley Brooks with us all the way from New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, Dr. Brooks, you have, I, there's so many things that you're doing and are involved in. I, I, you're going to have to fill us in on, um, on what you do, your ministry. Uh, you and your husband are pastors of a church there in New Orleans, uh, down like in, in kind of the, uh, the city, like in the, what is it? Is it on, on Canal, Canal Street? Street. Yeah. Um, I've seen pictures. I haven't been there, but a beautiful, you know, church kind of older church building. Mm -hmm. uh, but you also, do you still have your own practice um, that you yeah, run? Yeah. Uh -huh. So we have um, Restoration Counseling Center, which is a part of, um, so it's kind of an offshoot of the church um, as a nonprofit counseling okay. center. And so I, I don't own it, but it's one of that I started and founded back wow. um, in, uh, I guess it was about 2008. Wow. So it's, it is definitely something that has um, been here for a while. Um, yeah. Serving uh, the, the population of New Orleans. And then you teach as well. You've taught at at least uh, one college. I'm not sure if you teach at any other. And then, of course, you have almost three teenagers at home. You've got a lot going on. But thanks for being on this podcast. We're going to be talking about mental health in the church. And and uh, the purpose of this podcast is to really talk about and understand uh, our soul in, in spiritual growth and spiritual formation and our soul as um, as we've been talking about in this podcast, really encompasses all parts of our body mm -hmm. and the mind and psychology and mental health emotions. That is an area of of Christianity that has largely, well, not largely. It, it's 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 being allowed more and more and more and more people that are talking about it. We've got great Christian authors who are describing it, Christian psychologists who are talking about. Uh, talking about it, but it's something that we really need to dive into more in the Christian community. So before we jump into that, tell us a little bit uh, about yourself. So you, do you come from Louisiana or are you from a totally different area? So I am originally, well, my family is originally from Georgia. Okay. Uh, but um, interestingly enough, my um, dad went to school in New Orleans to get his master's degree. And so while I was, while he was in school, I lived here for about three years. Oh. So um, in that process, we, we moved back to Georgia um, after that, but I was only in Georgia for about, um, about nine years after that time. And so then I moved back to New Orleans and have been here over 20 years. Wow. And then you met your husband at, is it New Orleans Baptist, Baptist. Mm -hmm. Theological Baptist Seminary? Theological okay. Seminary. You did. both have PhDs. Mm -hmm. You've got double doctorates. Were you, when you got married, did you already have your degrees, your doctorates? So I didn't have the doctorate. Okay. I had finished um, master's in marriage and family therapy um, from the seminary. And then- okay the Lord just invited me um, very strongly into doing a PhD, part, <laughs> which I went in kicking and screaming. I wasn't necessarily wanting to do that really but in that process. Yeah. In that process, I had got, I, I got a master's in theology as well. Oh, um, wow. And so I have a master's in theology and then a PhD in psychology and counseling. That's incredible. Wow. And then you, both you and your husband, you've adopted uh, three kids. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we um, started that process um, back in 2000, and 
uh, six. Um, and so we adopted our oldest um, at, in 2007 from, um, they're all from South Carolina, but they're all from um, Black families. And so wow. they're African-American um, or mixed um, Hispanic. Wow. And so um, Karis is our oldest and she is um, 16. We have um, Alethea who is um, 14 and then Josiah who is uh, just turned 11. Wow. Yeah. Now that was intentional on, on you and, and your husband's part as far as mm-hmm. you felt called uh, to adopt rather than have your own kids. You felt that that was part of your ministry. We did. And we originally went in thinking that um, we would adopt and um, have biological kids. And okay. um, but we chose um, to adopt first. And we were just like, this is what we want to do. This is where we feel like um, going. And so in that process of adopting, um, after, you know, we started adopting, we were just like, well, we'll try to have our own kids. And that did not work out, you know, up to this point. And so we were just like, well, we'll just keep, we kept feeling invited by the Lord to continue to adopt. And so we did and think we're done. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We've got a handful right now. So we're, you're outnumbered. Um, But um, so, but the process was interesting because we went in originally anticipating to adopt um, and, and uh, we, you know, checked off all the boxes of, you know, what, what we're willing to adopt. And we just left everything open to as far as like race and nationality and all that. And so um, in that process, the Lord just um, made us a very multicultural family. So it's, it's been an interesting and um, fun process. Well, and that's a whole other uh, podcast. I feel like mm-hmm. um, the, the challenges there of, of, there's a whole other culture and dynamic that requires, and obviously you being a psychologist, your husband being uh, a pastor, there's so much empathy and care and intentionality there going into caring for these, uh, these children, but that's a whole other challenge. And, um, and yeah, I, I, talking even before we started the podcast about all the things you're doing it just sounds exhausting I don't know how you're able to (laughs) to keep up with everything that you're doing but it's really beautiful I I love uh I love what you have done and you know your amazing kids uh and the love that you're able to to give to them it's so incredible well you came out uh to SUM Bible College last year. Was it last April already? Mm -hmm. It's hard to believe it was over a year ago. You taught a really great class, recorded a really great class on pastoral counseling. I reached out to you and told you that I was the one reviewing it and just checking it to make sure that everything looked good. And I said, man, it's so good. I just enjoyed watching the whole thing. I felt like it was cathartic for me just to listen to it and, (laughs) and, and hear it. And it just, mental health is something that I've always been passionate about. When I was in my undergrad at at Vanguard University, um, I initially thought, well, I didn't understand my calling to ministry. And so I couldn't quite picture. And I thought, well, an easy route would be psychology. I love psychology. I love um, analyzing and understanding behavior and, and mental health. And quickly found no, that's not the that's not the route for me. But it's something that I've always been passionate about, and I've I've tried to help steer people towards that, towards seeking help, towards understanding it myself, towards being able to help others. But it's still today, and that was you know 25 years ago when I was in my undergrad. It's still today something that is just not 
fully understood or embraced by the church? Maybe, um, maybe take us back to even your calling into psychology, some of the challenges that you've experienced. Um, and New Orleans, that's a pretty, well, I mean, Louisiana, that's a pretty conservative part uh, of the United States. How has that been for you trying to, to interact with, with the church and, and some of the challenges that you faced? Yeah. So interestingly enough, when I first started out, um, their Christian counseling was brand new. It wow. was something that, and I say brand new as in it wasn't well known about in the really in the South too much. I think they were talking a little bit more about it maybe in other places, but in, in spots and in hot spots, but they weren't really talking about it all over the place. So when I originally thought about going into Christian counseling, I had a number of people tell me, you can't do that. Like there's no such thing as Christian counseling wow. and, or you're going to get sucked into the secular yes, piece of it. Right. Um, and so then there was this other side of, you know, um, if you do Christian counseling as a woman, you're going to have a very difficult time finding a job. So there was that wow. piece that was having a wow about that because people weren't at that time, like they were having a difficult time hiring, you know, women in churches. So they sure. just struggled with that idea, especially in the South there in the South. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, I, but I felt really called to it. And I was like, Lord, I'm just gonna have to trust that what you're calling me into right. is what you're going to create a way for that. And so sure. I ended up getting an undergrad in psychology okay. um, and, um, and then went on to go get my master's degree, which interestingly enough, the seminary um, that I went to had started a master's degree in marriage and family counseling. And so, which allowed wow. you to be prepared for, um, being both licensed as a licensed professional counselor, which is LPC or a license in marriage and family therapy. And okay. so you could get, you could come out with the courses that you needed to be prepared for getting either one of those licenses. And so, wow. um, which is really at that time was really unheard of. There just yeah. wasn't that type of program, especially in a, a, a conservative Baptist seminary. seminary. Yeah. Right. 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 And um, so I went ahead and got that in, what was interesting to me was that because they were very um, intentional about setting up the degree to get um, to be prepared for licensure, um, the the degree that I got was very good as far as Ooh. the secular society was concerned. So okay. as we were doing practicums, um, our practicum sites preferred to hire people from the seminary wow. over um uh, sites from even like the larger universities in the area wow. because we could we could talk you knew talk. you we knew what, what you we were needed knew to what know we were doing that's wow right. that's awesome and so I was very comfortable and felt very confident in the education that I got from the seminary Good. and and so in that space what they also did though was they gave you had the extra hours of integration um, with, um, with the, you had to have the old Testament, new Testament history, sure. you had to have some theology classes, hermeneutic right. classes and all that kind of stuff, which was good. 
Um, but when I got out of the of the degree and had my, you know, had my license and I was trying to do work with churches in the area, you know, New Orleans is different because New Orleans is very, is not the South. Like it's more of a European city. Right. Um, and then you have, New Orleans could be its own entity in and of itself. So like its what own happens country. Is, its own country because wow. it has its, you know, quirks and right eccentricities and all of those things that go is along it- with the city. Is it more progressive? Well, I don't it's want to say progressive. Much but... more progressive. Like it's more progressive. It's more liberal. Okay. Um, and so you have more of what you would see in like New York or France or like in those places okay. than you would necessarily. It's very European. Like in a southern country. city. Then a southern city. Like it just doesn't necessarily. Like it's very different from like Atlanta okay. or like Montgomery or those older cities that okay. might be a little bit larger. Um, and so um, the interesting thing for me was as I was trying to develop relationships with churches around counseling, because by this time, my husband was a pastor um, and we were, you know, he was pastor in a church and in, in the area. And so I had the ability within like the Baptist circles mm. to create relationships mm-hmm. at that time, but um, they still were very hesitant about the whole yeah. mental health thing. Right. And so they were interested, mm. like they were kind of visiting that aspect, sure. but they weren't sold on it. Wow. And so what what really worked for me was developing relationships with these pastors. Mm. And it was more about them trusting me than it was about them trusting the field of counseling and psychology. And so once they realized they could have conversations with me about theology Mm. and about um, psychology, and I was able to kind of relate the two together, they were like, Oh, maybe we can trust her. We might not trust the field itself, but we can trust her with what's going on. And so that was extremely helpful. And so Mm. over the past 20 years that I've been doing this, like counseling within, um, with restoration, which is the counseling practice that I started, um, restoration is, has a really good reputation for the past within churches and pastors in the area, not just Baptist, but, you know, pretty much all, all denominations mm-hmm. because you've been able to build those relationships and again yeah. it trusting you so psychology may still be an unknown type of thing but they can trust that you are there bringing in the psychology into the theological and right. i have to say that's when i was watching your class that's what i felt like you did very well and um and i think is very effective so that it's immediately for anybody who's got um, concerns or I don't know about this, it's disarming and it in it's almost in a subtle way you bring in the theological with the psychology and you show that these things are not separate, that right. that they are interrelated, which is right. incredible. Right. And I think that's the piece that um, is is needed within the church as far as understanding that we don't live siloed lives. And yeah. so, because one of the things that's, um, has been really hard, I think for the church is that we focus so much on the spiritual aspects, which is yes. very important, Right. but we, while we are very spiritual beings, we are created in a physical body, right. which the Lord would not have done right. if he did not think that that was important. That's and good. so 
in that space of understanding that spirituality is very important, our physical bodies are as important while we're living on this earth as that right. spiritual aspect. And we can't silo um, our spirituality and, and even suggest that if we are just healthy spiritually, mm. that everything else is going to be okay. Right. Because while we are, we can grow in our relationship with the Lord, and that is very helpful. We have a um, a mind that is con- our mind and our bodies are interconnected. And so, right. our, if we're thinking about our soul being made up of our um, mind, will, emotions, and then we, which is also interconnected with um, our history of growing up like we grow up in this space we have memories from the time we are conceived to the present time like all of that impacts who we are and so but so then we also live in this physical body Hmm. that interacts like the chemicals in our body interact with our thinking and our emotions and our ability to think well and um and understanding that if we you know, in scripture, it talks a lot about our thinking and our mind, right. but it also talks a lot about those emotional pieces too. It doesn't yes. deny the fact that we are emotional beings and that we have right. a physical body. And so in that space of recognizing that our thoughts and our emotions are really kind of come hand in hand because they give us information about mm. what our ultimate, what our beliefs are. Yeah, And so and our beliefs are very important from a spiritual perspective. Right. right? And so if we're understanding this idea that our beliefs are important and our emotions mm. and our thoughts are giving us information about what mm. we're believing. Now they're not always true. Like our emotions are true. And like, this is what we're feeling in this present time, but that doesn't mean that we follow them. It just right. means that they're messengers. They're not right or wrong. They're just messengers. Right. From- good or bad they're messengers of of what we're what's going on in our our belief system which you know from a psychology perspective they call um, that psyche piece the the subconscious right and so we have these beliefs that um we have two different types of beliefs and i might be kind of jumping it more no go ahead but um we have two different types of beliefs we have the stated beliefs that we have and then we have Mm. functional beliefs and so our stated beliefs are the ones that we would say from scripture like we believe that god is who he says he is we believe that god can do what he says he can do we believe that we are who god says that we are we believe that god can do all things through you know that we can do all things through christ and that god's word is alive and active in us like we believe all these things but then we struggle back when paul was talking about like I don't do what I want to do and I do what I don't want to do. And so, well, why is that? Well, that's because we have these functional beliefs that are beliefs that we've been taught Mm. beliefs that we have, that we don't even recognize that we have Mm. beliefs about who we are beliefs about who God is. And we're struggling because we go, well, I believe that God is who he says he is and that he can do what he says he can do. And that I'm a son or daughter of Christ. Right. But we don't function from that space. And so really the great thing about psychology is that it helps us understand those, that we have functional beliefs that are down there because of all these, because of our, our makeup and because of all these, then we have the chemical aspects of what's going on too, in our, our physical body and our brain, recognizing that those influence our ability to hold on to those stated beliefs Mm. that we have. And so what we're looking at is 
just all these different factors, <clears throat> excuse me, that we can't necessarily negate and say, if we just hold on to these stated right. beliefs, everything's right. going to be okay. Right. But we recognize that our, <clears throat> the way that counseling and discipleship are kind of the, the flip side of the same coin mm -hmm. is Absolutely. that <clears throat> we are working to move our stated beliefs into those functional beliefs mm. and the healing that can come from going, oh, wait, I'm functioning from this Lord, like help me in my unbelief in this or help me in this place where I'm struggling to believe, um, struggling to function from the stated beliefs that right. we have. And so that, that discipleship part or the counseling piece helps us to recognize what we're functioning from. The right. discipleship piece helps us to change those mm -hmm. things from that spiritual. That's standpoint. good. So it's, it's really, I like the way you, you broke that down. These functional beliefs are how we are actually living, even if we don't realize it, right? There's a, uh, uh, and I, you're probably familiar with this, the, the Johari window that there's, uh, you know, aspects of us that are, are unknown to us. We don't know what we don't know. We, there's parts of us that others can see that we're not aware of, you know, and it, it moves in various uh, kind of degrees, but the, these functional beliefs, this is how we live every day, despite the fact. So we say that we believe in God and we, um, you know, we believe that he is our protector, our provider, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we struggle with anxiety, right? So we're living from this function of worry or anxiety, despite the fact that we we think and we really do believe that he is, you know, provider and, right. and all of that. But there's a disconnect. There's okay. this this separation between what we say we believe that that we do believe to some extent. That's right. But our, our lives, maybe our environment, the way we were raised, um, an instability, a lack of, of provision has caused us to doubt or be in that doubt of, of God's provision. Yeah. And so what has often happened in churches that I, I've seen is we just, as you've said, we just say, well, just believe. I mean, God is, God is who he says he is. He said he's going to provide. Stop. I stop worrying. Believe just believe. And, yeah. and you're, you're saying that really it's discipleship counseling and, and all of that, but especially counseling, mental health really helps us to understand why we are struggling and then helps mm -hmm. us to overcome that and maybe bridge that gap. Mm -hmm. Right. And it helps us to live in this space of non-judgment, judgmentalness mm. of ourselves. Right. right. And so we, in the church, we talk a lot about that um, all of us come in at, you know, as sinners, like we're all coming in as sinners. We're all coming in, not having everything together. Um, and in that space, we are just doing the best that we can to be made more like Christ. And that is right. our journey right here on earth. And so, um, what happens a lot of times though, is that we, in an attempt to, prove to ourselves and to prove to other people that we have faith, we deny the struggle that we have. And we say, well, if we just have more faith, then this thing will get better. Mm. And, or if we have more faith, then um, we'll, we'll be able to be less anxious about God showing up right. and working in this space and, or work miracles, right? Mm. If we just had more faith, then we right. would see this miracle work in our life. And while that is said in scripture, 
it's not, he's talking about the fact that, you know, we have faith of a mustard seed. So like, he's not saying like, we need this really big faith in order to come in and do this. What we struggle with though, is that we, you know, if we come in from places where we've had any sort of um, neglect or abuse, even on a small scale, what our, our body and our soul begins to believe about the world, the safety, the people around us, the, the, our ability to attach to other people and connect with other people is that it's the world is not safe. Mm. And we live like even thinking about like all that we've experienced over the past several years with right. uh, just increased unsafety in the world, right. not only from a physical safety of like the increased violence, the increase, right. um, you know, we're all over the place right. and we're just like going, what's going to happen in the next right. few years. But from a, like a physical safety as in mm. like, um, uh, just from COVID, right. Yeah. So we're scared right. of getting sick. Right. And we thought all these things that were safe, mm. you know, being able to go and be in community, being able to be right. with other people, being inter- all of those safety pieces were completely wiped out. And so wow. then we're in this space of nothing is safe, Wow, you know? And so we have, and then we have kids that were brought up in that for the past several years. And so Absolutely. if you're thinking about the way that even just COVID has impacted our kids from not just from a physical safety where they're highly anxious, mm. but they're also this depression, like they've used unhealthy coping mechanisms yes. in order to um, to manage the yes. increased stress of life. And so I'm not going to go into all those statistics, but if you go and just Google yeah. what ha- has happened to our kiddos over the past wow. few, years, or few years, you're just going to see the skyrocket of wow. increased suicides, increased depression, wow. increased anxiety. And so that's just a small piece of mm. what might happen if a kiddos um, or, you know, adults now, but if you've been raised in, in right. areas that are not safe and you're not taught that there is, there are attachment figures that are healthy attachment Mm. figures. If you don't have that, we have the knowledge that God is who he says and that he is, and that he's full of love and he's, you know, he is fully accepting and, and there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Like that is truth. But if we've never experienced that on Mm. any level, then we're going to have a really difficult time moving that thought of yes this is who he says he is Mm. into that experiential body physicality of that because our body actually you know with the sympathetic parasympathetic nervous system with our nervous system if it is already hyped up to be very hyper vigilant Mm. for anything that could create unsafety um, and make a space unsafe. And that's not just from a physical place, but that's an emotional place. That's a, you know, relational place. If we're thinking from that, if, if we already are primed for that, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense, if our sympathetic, parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous systems are primed to just be hypervigilant, we are going to have a very difficult time just walking into church and going, well, I fully trust the Lord because they've never experienced that. Right. And we all have that on a, because we live in a very broken world. We all have areas of our life in which we're just walking into our, our, our faith in Christ and into Mm. these communities of faith with our bodies going, yeah, I know you say this, but I I don't trust you. And our soul going, yeah, you're saying this, you, you know, but I can't trust you. And we're going, well, why not? 
Right. And this, and so the counseling, that's where counseling can go. Yes. We're fully trusting that, you know, counseling and, and I'm sorry, not counseling, but faith is not a crutch. We right. fully believe that faith is not a crutch, which is right. this, the part that churches tend to believe that, you know, if you look back in psychology, Freud and Jung and all of these guys were talking about faith as more crutches or right. more unhealthiness. And so right. I, there is a very good reason why, you know, churches and mm. people in the um, end in Christianity and our belief, um, all of our, all the people that are in this, um, uh, in our bodies of uh, bodies of believers, why they struggle to trust psychology. Very good reason for that. But in that same way, like if you have people that are, um, really working from a Christian perspective and Mm. Christian worldview in this space, we understand that faith is not a crutch, but faith is difficult to have. Right. If we struggle with all of the things that have happened in our past with the brokenness from right. our past. And, and we can grow up in really wonderful Christian homes and right. still have a lot of brokenness. And still struggle. Absolutely. Right. And and um and those who maybe for them that has been their experience, maybe they've grown up in a Christian home, had Christian parents, and yet still there could be something as easy as a lack of attachment uh with the mom or the dad as a as a child. And that has nothing to do with the child, but maybe has to do with the the parents, uh, what something they experienced from their parents. That's right. And something as simple as uh, it's what is it called? Attachment, um, uh, not attachment theory, but there's a term for uh, for what I'm thinking of where you don't have an attachment with the parent. What is that called? Um, well, uh, that whole idea of broken attachment or discontent. Yeah. 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 Right. So that 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 alone can it can seem like a small thing and something, Oh, just, you know, whatever, that's who my parents were. And I really didn't get whatever, but it's a big thing because God created us in such intricate ways. And he created the bond between, especially the mother and the child, but the parents and children to be so um, intentional and powerful that if a child gets that love and care and attention from the parents, what is it within the, like the first five years, especially mm-hmm. that sets you up for health and well-being for your life and right. not having even again, that's what we would say a small thing compared to, you know, you grew up in a, uh, you know, parents who are on drugs or a single whatever, or in a foster family and all that is bad, but there are, there are things that can appear to be fine and and grow up in a okay situation and you may still wonder there's something that's going on that I'm lacking that I'm struggling to maybe feel that attachment to God or feel that connection to God right and so a lot of that happens like we can grow up in Christian homes and then we but and our parents did a really wonderful job of raising us in church and so we have a spiritual connection to our mm-hmm. families but sometimes um, families, for whatever reason, have a difficult time with that emotional mm. connection. And so there can be neglect. And then neglect is the hard part to to actually see, right? Because right. you've grown up and you you physically have everything that you mm. need. You, you have, you know, all the food that you need. You have all of the, you know, parents may have even shown up for all of the events mm. that you had. But and so there on some levels, you can connect with them on um, a 
theological level. You may sure. be able to connect with them on a, um, a cognitive level, like in learning, like we can connect on like what books you read and all of this, mm-hmm. you know, up here in the, the cognitive level, but that emotional level of being able to feel soothed by your family. So wow. for example, when, um, you know, when a baby cries, the natural instinct is for most people, if you're from a healthy space is to go pick up the baby and soothe that child. Right. right. It looks different as kiddos grow older. And so mm. as a child grows up and you hear, um, the kiddo falls and scrapes a knee, mm-hmm. um, as the kiddo grows up, there's this, this common belief that, oh, um, you're fine. Get up. The, mm. from an adult perspective, sure. you look at the knee and go, it's not even bleeding. You're good. No worries. Yeah, right. But what that kiddo needs in that space is that same mm. understanding of I'm crying and I need right. co-regulation. I need you to come over and not just kind of stand afar and tell me everything right. is okay, but be able to come next to me and go, honey, tell me what you, what's going on, mm. what you're feeling right now. And then acknowledging you have the, the it's just acknowledge and, and yep. validation of the emotions yep. that it's okay. As a five-year-old, a scraped knee feels different than a, a 20-year-old or a 30-year-old right. looking down at a scraped knee. Or it's, like, it's a scraped right. knee, it's no big deal. But for a five to 10-year-old wow. child, that's a big deal. And so there can be an emotional disconnect hmm. that people don't even recognize that is there. Right. Uh, for whatever reason. And so when we don't have people coming in and helping co-regulate hmm. and rec- and us recognizing that we were created to co-regulate with our, with people, God created us to be in communities and in right. families. And, and the reason he did that was because we were never meant to carry our burdens alone. Right. So when we talk about scripture, about how we're supposed to um, carry one another's burdens with them. Mm. This is exactly what he's talking yes. about. We're not supposed to carry it for people. Right. We're supposed to walk alongside of them. But what happens when we, we feel very uncomfortable with emotions mm. or we feel very, we don't know how to regulate our own emotions so that right. anybody else's emotions create, make a highly discomforting feeling in mm. ourselves. When we, um, as the body of Christ, or living in churches and working with working as um, as a church within a community, when we have people expressing emotion and expressing like the, the hurt or the pain that they may be experiencing, and we're not able to come alongside of them and either you know help them carry that or not carry too much of that, mm. but walk with them with right. the Lord, right? Then we end up um, being very much like our families where we're disconnected mm. from the emotional place. We all believe the same thing. So it right. feels like that, but right. we're very, we have a difficult time um, coming alongside and comforting in the way that we were, we have been comforted wow. because we have a brokenness in our comforting. Wow. Well, and, and the church, I mean, the church is meant to be that, that place of care and, and the whole idea of, of pastoral care is soul care. And we have over time that has been neglected and more and more Mm -hmm. as uh, again, whether it's an emphasis upon just believing, whether it's a a belief that in this kind of instantaneous healing sanctification, where you no longer should struggle with anything Mm -hmm. from the past, or just a lack of understanding and education about, again, about mental health or about emotions and the role that they play or our own brokenness, as you mm-hmm. said, that, that limits our ability to be able to care for and have compassion for others. That's right. But that's what the church was really meant to be. It's meant to be this community space 
where we live together, we communicate with one another, we 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 are able to to carry each other, help carry each other's burdens. And then that impacts the world around us. And so we really, I mean, the the old adage, you know, the church can often shoot its wounded. Um, it's it feels like that that is still a struggle that that church, especially today, um, you know, you walk in there, you go and you do your hour, hour and a half thing, and then you're gone and you go and you sit and you attend a service as opposed to being in community with others who are going to help journey with me in my pain, my brokenness, mm-hmm. my loss, my, uh, my needs. And I, I mean, I guess it comes down to even pastors just not being equipped to do that, but it's a real, it, it feels like it's a real problem. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, interestingly enough, our society, if you kind of go back and look at history, we, um, you know, that whole enlightenment, enlightenment mm-hmm. period where we became more about knowing um, yes. and we have to know things. So we've this idea of knowing our, we've actually moved into this space where it's more, not really necessarily about just knowing, but it's mm. about gaining information. So we're yes. in this informational stage. So yes. now it's just, if we have information, we're right. good. But what's happened is if you look at that, we went from this space where, um, we before everything was kind of um interconnected yes our spirituality art um just emotions education education all of that was from the church church. and yeah right everything was interconnected and then we moved into this space of Mm -hmm. well if we just know truth right then we're going to be okay but what's interesting is that in that space of moving away from everything kind of being interconnected where Mm -hmm. you've had the the ministers who were not just ministering from a um, spiritual standpoint, but they were also talking a lot about um, just the body and how the body interacts with our soul and, and the psychology pieces of that. They had information on all of that and they trusted that it was all kind of integrated into that space. As we've moved along, we've become disintegrated and Mm. our mind has become disintegrated. And so if you think about it, our our right and our left hemispheres of our brain, the left hemisphere is very cognitive in nature. Well, we've moved very much into that left hemisphere of our brain and we've ignored the right hemisphere of our Mm. brain, which is more that emotional um, and the um, more creative pieces of, uh, you know, who we are. And we, um, it is more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We, um, really highly value people that are able to um, remain calm Mm. and um, think through things and make decisions very quickly. Mm. And, and that, if you look in, you know, business, if you look in even churches today, like people that are not emotional are moved up to, you know, higher ranks. And so if, so what has happened though, in that piece of ignoring our emotions, Mm. we've, Oh man, I could go into like how I, I feel like that is so um, unhealthy from yes. even a spiritual standpoint right. because right. we've missed, like, just to kind of briefly talk about this, like, if you go into the Psalms, which Jesus would have memorized. Yes, right? he absolutely. Would have memorized all the Psalms because he, absolutely. Was, a, he was a very good rabbi. Right. And so he, um, he would have known all of those. And mm. those are the ways that they expressed how they felt. So they lamented. And they and lamented corporately at times, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So 
as a, as a corporate body, Mm. they would, if they felt whatever about the situations that they were in, they would have gone into the lament Psalms. They would have gone into the praise songs. They would, the Psalms, they would have gone in and that's what they would have used to express the emotions Mm. that they were feeling. And if you look at David's Psalms, yeah, (laughs) they're pretty dark. Some of them they are dark (laughs) and he had no problems going into those spaces, right? He was well, uh, his approval rating was sky high. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. So he was able to balance Mm. wisdom and his, he was made more wise through Mm. his, the ability to use his emotions and to the experiences. And so, but what we've done now is that we've dismissed the emotions. We've said just Mm. our wisdom through knowledge knowledge and information is more important And, but now what we see is a lot of anger and Mm. what has happened is when you try to subvert emotions, it either comes out in extreme anger or extreme fear Wow. and anxiety, because that's where those are like two very strong emotions that are, are coming that basically come out of us Mm. trying to to push things down. Our soul goes, I'm, yeah, no, I need to express what I'm feeling. Right. And it's, it wants us to listen wow. to it. And so, yeah. No, go ahead. And so when we don't, and it comes out in anger and, or coping mechanisms of continuing to push things down, mm. we have all these unhealthy coping mechanisms. And if you look around at what recently has come out with all of these ministers in the news, you've got all of these sex scandals, you've got yes. all of these abusive, you know, they're talking about all the abuse that's happened in this, yes. those areas. And I fully believe it's because they're not integrated, Allowed. right? Yeah. They're not integrated in their body, their minds. They're, they're wow. not fully functioning from the space of, of, of integration. Wow. You know, it, I, I did my dissertation on, on faith crisis experiences and uh, really came to the same similar conclusion from a, uh, uh, not a psychology standpoint, but, um, but looking at how people essentially people, we have not been allowed to express our doubts, our fears, our, mm-hmm. uh, when we experience some type of, uh, crisis when we feel like God isn't showing up, when we are experiencing tragedy and we express that, um, either the church has rejected us or um, we, there's just not a safe space. There's nobody who knows how to understand us, how to, how to respond to us. Um, And that then leads to even more anger or whatever might be there, uh, fear, anxiety, pushes some people away from the church. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that you do see this split um, coming into the enlightenment. You, you know, you mentioned Freud and Jung um, that they're really coming out of this kind of humanist, the the whole humanist period where everything is emphasizing the human's ability to think, to rationalize. So the age of reason, the enlightenment, um, what is that? The 1600s essentially through even up in today that is still spilled over and retains um, a stronghold in our theology and our churches. And there's something we've really veered away historically. We've veered away from the, not only integration of the whole person, but, but an acknowledgement of an understanding of an embracing of emotions and the whole being. So even historically women 
are are typically defined as the hysterical ones and and emotional ones and emotions have have really I think have struggled over the years to even be accepted in all segments of society, but especially over the last few hundred years. And it's really taken its toll. I guess I'm wondering, you know, going back to these psychologists, Freud and others, they, even though, and I don't remember who is considered like the father of modern psychology. Is it Freud or is it? Freud would be considered that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But really psychology has been around forever. The whole psyche concept. You can go back to the ancient philosophers, right? And, and in the church and understanding again of an integrated person, it's the Greeks who really began to compartmentalize the, the soul from the body. The body is, is, and you see this in the Bible, Paul is trying to combat this idea that the body is not important. He's saying, yes, the body is important. There's going to be a resurrection. What happens in your body does matter. And he's having to combat it. It's it's referred to as Gnosticism, as we know, that there had seeped in going from a Hebrew understanding of the body, the soul, the mind, all of that being interconnected, emotions, all of that to then the Greek influence coming in to say that it's compartmentalized. Only the soul and whatever that soul ambiguous thing means, but everything else is not important. And Paul himself is combating that, but that still has really allowed us, particularly today in the church, to separate, again, as you were saying, the body, the mind, the the emotions, and especially the emotions because they are so... I want to say uh, hard to know, hard to understand, hard to manage, unless we understand them, unless we have, and the way you're explaining it is so effective. Like if we could just, you know, you got a child over there who's throwing a tantrum. Well, understanding where that emotion is coming from. And, and if I'm feeling distressed over that tantrum, then there's something going on with me, right? Right. And it doesn't mean that those emotions are bad. It's really just trying to understand them. That's right. That's right. And it's really, you know, recognizing that our emotions, well, I kind of go back to the fact that when God created um, humanity, he said, you know, he said, looked at us, he created the body first, he breathed Mm. in, you know, the, that piece of, he breathed into us. And from that space, we became that soul spiritual piece of us. Right. And so he created us in body form for a reason, Mm. right? And so um, that is extremely important. But part of the Imago Dei too, is that we have aspects of our emotional, he is an emotional God. Like if you look all the way through scripture, you see his emotions being all the way through scripture from love, the the compassion, that like all of these things. And so we, we recognize that the emotions are good because at the very beginning, he said that not only are they good, but they're very good. And so we, if, if he's, he gave us a part of us that he, you know, he, he didn't say everything is very good, but man, those emotions, I screwed up on that. Like he didn't (laughs) say that. And so he was like, no emotions are good. And so we have to then go, okay, Lord, if emotions are good, if you said that Mm. all of us are good and emotions are good, what are they there for? And so we begin to rather than uh, just struggle with the fact that we don't like them. I mean, emotions are hard. Like they're just, they're big, they're intense. Um, They can put us into this space of feeling overwhelmed Mm. and we, we then want to judge them, Mm. right? We want to say, um, 
oh, I don't want to feel this emotion. So go away. And right. our soul's going, yeah, no, don't work that way. And so we're yeah. wanting to then go, okay, why do I feel this? Rather than judging and condemning mm. ourselves for feeling the emotion, being able to step back. And this is where our will and our wisdom like come mm. in to play. Right. If we're able to take a step back and go, Lord, can you walk with me? Can you come sit with me in this space for just a minute and right. help me look at the, these emotions that I'm feeling? And just by, we we know from, uh, from the studies that have happened that mm. just by putting a name to the emotion, really just by verbalizing, like, I feel angry. I feel scared. I feel mm. hurt. I feel frustrated. I feel whatever it happens to be that we, it's like taking a balloon and going, shh. Really, just yeah. by just naming the emotion, by naming the emotion, either expressing it or writing it, yeah. it tends to deflate the, the, the enormity of it. The intensity wow. of emotion. So then, if we actually take it a step further and say, I feel this because, hmm. then we kind of get into this space of, I feel angry because, you know, my, you know, kiddo came in and threw a temper tantrum and broke all these glasses all over the floor. Like, I'm just going to make something up. And so if we're thinking about um, that particular issue and if we Mm. name all the emotions, I feel hurt because one of the things that they broke was a, a vase that my grandmother handed down to me. I feel frustrated because as a parent, I don't know what to do when they get into this space. So I'm like walking through all these emotions and then we go, Lord, like, what do I do with this? And he right. begins to help us organize. And so just by validating the emotion, just by wow. nor- uh, normalizing it, like, you know right. what, all parents feel this way. We don't have to be the super parent and go, right. if I was a super parent, I wouldn't um, feel these very right. strong emotions towards right. my kiddos. Right. Um, that's not accurate and not real. So, um, I, I, you know, one of my, I'm a huge proponent of, um, one of my favorite authors right now is Kurt Thompson. And he talks about in his podcast that he's like, yeah, we just want to kill our kids. Like there's a lot of of time we just want to kill them. And it's like, what is going on? And I'm like, you know what? He is a believer, strong believer. He is a neuroscient, like a, a neuropsychologist. And I'm like, so if he's thinking this, very healthy man right, that right, wants right. to kill his kids, I'm like, I can feel this way. And so in this space, but we don't go, I can't feel this way because I'm only right. supposed to feel because right. if I feel these negative emotions, it negates the love. No, it doesn't. Right. We are holding all of these mm. emotions together. And just because we have negative emotions that we Mm. don't want to have it doesn't mean that it negates the positive ones that we do have there so it doesn't negate we can hold two different strong emotions emotions at the same time time. it's as we grow as we become more healthy um we are able to understand that we may uh not want to be around somebody but still capable of loving them we um, may our kids may drive us crazy, but at the same time, you know, we still love and care about them. You know, you mentioned um, uh, some of the things that we're seeing today, um, and it, it, not just in pastors, but I think in Christians in general, the 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 uh, addictions, the ways of coping that we are that we're using to just survive. I mean, life is. I think it's fair to say life is way more complicated today than it was two thousand years ago. We are living very very especially those of us in the West, where it's not just survival of, I need to find food for today. It's, there's so many other really complicated things that are going on. Um, 
not dealing with our emotions, pushing those things down, that eventually those emotions have to be processed, right? Or have to be dealt with. And so when they are not, is it that they either, we either turn to addictions or other things, whether the ways of coping to soothe those emotions or numb, or it erupts like that volcano, just, it comes out in anger or, or maybe anxiety and depression. Um, so is that, and I've read some stuff over the years that say, no, you know, your emotions just, they don't, they don't stay there. They, they, um, they don't necessarily build up, but I guess it seems like they do because they're attached to something. They're attached right. to a thought, an experience, a behavior. They're not just random things that come in and out. They're, they're attached to, an, as you have been saying, a part of our body, a part of our being. Yeah. So they have to be dealt with, right? Right. And if they don't, if they aren't dealt with, they tend to get stored in our bodies. And we see there's a lot of scientific um, studies about how um, unforgiveness is connected to, um, we see a lot of un people that are struggling with cancers and things like that, that actually have a lot of unforgiveness wow. and a lot of pain. So it's connected to physical ailments as well. There's wow. a huge connection of, of uh, somatic symptoms yeah. that are that happen with people that don't deal with wow um the the emotions that they've possibly you know just been trying to store and push away wow. and so when we think about the the idea of not dealing with emotions yeah you can you can live life that way but they're going to come out in some way form or fashion mm. and we um we weren't meant to live disintegrated lives mm. um we you know even one great example of this is the um, number of um veterans that yes. we have that when they came back home from you know both world war ii but specifically from vietnam vietnam when right. they came home and they weren't allowed to really talk about what happened right they had to store it somewhere wow. And there is a high, high rate of uh, both veterans from many different places sure. that have um, a lot of psychiatric mm. issues. A lot of like many of them are homeless because wow. they couldn't, uh, it wouldn't function. They couldn't well. adapt. They couldn't adapt but, back. But it was because they weren't able to process. Yeah. They weren't allowed the freedom to process those emotions because v the Vietnam War was such a polarization. It was so... There was so much conflict, so much contention around it, whether or not we should be there, protests, et cetera, that veterans uh, came back. From what I understand, they came back and it was like some people, you know, appreciated them. And some people were like, how could you fight this awful war? And there wasn't a space for them to talk about and process what they had experienced, what they had. And it was an awful, awful war. I mean, the napalm and all of that. And so they stored it somewhere. They weren't able to adapt to society, so they became homeless. They developed PTSD and, and other, and then thus created a whole then generation of children born to these veterans who maybe probably weren't able to process their own, didn't learn how to process their own emotions, like the, the ongoing effects of right. that. We see that. Yeah. So let's just take that for example. So they came back in their, their dads, right? So they came back into this space and it wasn't safe for them to share wow. their emotions. So they didn't. So, wow. but you can't just not 
share emotions in one facet of your life. Mm. You have to turn off all your emotions in order to deal with. So if you, there's not one, one little, you know, um, turn off anger, turn Turn off off anger, turn off, or this is, you know, this situation happened, you know, many years ago. So I'm just going to turn off the emotions for this particular situation. Mm. It doesn't happen that way. And so if you have to, you numb or you turn off emotions in one area, you turn them all off. And so then they're not able to connect with their kids. They're not able to, you know, we were talking a a little bit about that attachment and bond. they're not able to soothe help them soothe because they can't soothe themselves. Mm. And so then you've got a whole generation of kiddos that don't have, did not have that emotional connection. It was an emotional neglect. They did the best they could. It's not necessarily the parent's fault because they did the best they could in a a space that with what they had. And so then you've got these kiddos that don't know how to do it. And then it's just passed on until a person goes, Oh, wait, this, this is not necessarily about everybody else. This Mm. is about me doing the healing that I need Mm. to do based on the wounds that are, are here because I live in a broken society. I live in a broken world. And so we, we have to take our own personal responsibility Mm. and saying, okay, I need to become healthy, but it's not just about becoming spiritually healthy. It's actually about becoming emotionally, physically, cognitively, spiritually, relationally healthy, because we can't, there is, there's no way to be able to separate Mm. all of these things from one another. We can't just live a spiritual life and expect that our relational lives are going to be fine or that our emotional lives are going to be fine because God didn't create, he didn't create us to do that. Mm -hmm. We're not robots and that we Mm -hmm. can just flip all these switches and, and turn them off all of them are important. Hmm. And so we, we, when we downgrade the importance of all these other aspects, we miss facets of who God is as an emotional being. We miss, or not being, but emotional God. We miss facets of this, these relationships, even with God, because wow. God is an experiential God. He, he wants to be in relationship with us. If you look throughout history, he, he doesn't do things on his own very mm-hmm. often. He comes in and wants to co-partner with us right, right. to do whatever we're doing. And if we don't have, if we have our emotions turned off hmm. because we're scared of them, we struggle to connect with God on that emotional right. level, right. which the way that we know things are, are safe Mm. is that we experience the safety of that. And so if we are struggling with whether or not God is a safe God, Mm -hmm. we know it says that scripture says that he's a safe God, but if we don't know from an experiential perspective and from a feelings perspective that he's a safe God, we're going to really struggle. That goes out to those beliefs. Like we, we struggle to believe on a functional level that God is a safe God, that he is a good God and that we can experience him on these levels. And so we basically are saying, okay, God, I'm going to experience you, but I'm going to only, I'm going to, or I'm going to be in relationship with you, but it's only going to be in this cognitive level. And I'm going to keep you in this box. And he's Mm -hmm. going, I don't like boxes very much. Like, I don't know if (laughs) I, And so he's all the time doing stuff outside of the box and we either miss him on that or we get angry because he's doing stuff outside the box that we don't like. Wow. That's so true. Or we 
we want to experience only the positive emotions of of our experience with him. So if we're if we love worship, for example, and we're in church and we're experiencing kind of the positive aspect of that, but there are other uh, well, and you can't. I mean, eventually, if you turn off, as you said, you try to turn off one emotion, you're going to turn off all of them. It becomes the state of numbness, or uh, would dissociation be a, a appropriate mm-hmm. term there? Right. You can. Just, um, yeah. And and yet yeah, we may only want to experience the positive vibes of God, the positive experience of, of God and not all of those other negative things. Again, those, those negative emotions, you know, one of the things that has challenged me recently as, um, as I transitioned from uh, where I was recently as a, a college administrator into this new space and one of the reasons I've been compelled to do that is just the realization that I just can't keep up with the life, with life as, as it was going, that life is too challenging to try to care for myself mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, holistically. And I feel, and I, I don't know if this is everybody's experience, but I really feel like we, we cannot do it as humans, especially today in the West and we can't tend to our emotions. We can't tend to our spirit. We can't tend to uh, our body, our, our physical well-being. We were talking about that before the podcast. In the current state of life that we are in, um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Archibald Hart, who wrote uh, The Anxiety Cure. He, in that book, he talks about how uh, he really believed that adrenaline and stress was was the cause, uh, the root of a lot of anxiety. And I mean, that book was 20 years ago or maybe more. And where we are at today, and this is probably going to probably the mo- be the most challenging thought throughout this podcast is we've got to slow down. Yes, we, do. we can't, we can't care for ourselves. We can't tend to those emotions that we're blocking. Um, you know, if I'm tired, I go drink a cu- cup of coffee, right? I don't, I don't tend to the, the, to the body that says, you know what, you're going too fast. So why don't you slow down? I, I turn to the the caffeine or whatever it is. I feel like we are, are just on a trajectory that is it is unsustainable. We're already there. How do we do this? How do we really, really, really care for this holistic being, particularly our mental health in this today, yeah. lives that we are living? Yeah. Um, and I love it. as you are talking, I, I, um, I talk a lot about the need to slow down. Um, I talk a lot about the fact that, um, we are not meant to live in the past, but we're not meant to live in the future either. We're meant to be mm, in the present. Right. And so that idea of being present with ourself, being mm. present with the Lord, being present with what's going on in us so that we can bring our best self into whatever is whatever situation and you know the most important piece of us living here on this earth is the relationships that we have and so if we're unable to be present Mm. with in relationships and that's not just being physically present a lot of times we will talk a lot about you know well I was there at you know that particular event right but we weren't really there at the event like we our emotions weren't fully there Mm. our our attention wasn't fully there. We weren't intentionally bringing something or ourselves into that space. Right. And so one of the things that um, is really helpful is becoming aware of what our rhythms are mm. and be, you know, creating these healthy rhythms around um, our, 
ourself? Like, how are we caring for our body? Are we sleeping well? Like it's all, you know, this physical stuff. We talk about eating well, sleeping well, exercising, all of those things that we're needing to do to take care of ourselves. which as Christians, we're very bad at (laughs) overall, really bad at that. (laughs) Overall, we're not very good at it. Um, because there's this mindset that I'm, I'm supposed to sacrifice myself for, for my, for God, the cause for, of Christ, cause whatever of Christ. that is, so the, we're, whatever yes. that looks like, right. we're going to sacrifice ourselves. Yes. We're going to run ourselves ragged yes. in order to meet this goal that mm. is out there that we think the Lord has called us to. And the thing that has been the most challenging for me, and, you know, as we were talking a little bit before we came into this podcast about this physical piece that cannot be limited, mm. limiting, um, the, the Lord put us into our physical bodies. Yeah. He said that they were good. Actually he mm. said they were very good. And we want to live outside of them. Yes. <laughs> we want right. to say, you know, body, you're limiting. So I'm just going to run you ragged and right. I'm going to, you know, do, I'm not going to care for you at all. Mm. And, and, but what would happen is if we actually slowed down and we actually started being with the Lord right. more than we were doing right for the Lord right and the Lord cares less I'm kind of this is kind of a a um controversial thing but the Lord cares less about what we do I agree than who we are with him I agree fully and and so it's our relationship with him and out yes. of that relationship with him that we do all that we do yes and we a lot of times put mm. all of these expectations and say all these things are good yeah, they are good, but are they great or are they the right. best thing right. for for you? Is God what right. aspects of that is God calling you to? Mm. Many times, you know, I go back I go back to David a lot because you know we see a lot of his um his life in scripture, mm. but we he took time to spend time writing out his yes. limits. He spent time thinking about the emotions That's that he true. felt. He spent time writing the Psalms to the Lord and he spent the piece that I come back to specifically that I, the Lord's just been talking to a lot to me about this Mm. aspect of lament Mm. and the need for us to learn how to lament well, um, because we are in this society right now where it's not necessarily going in the direction we would like for it to go Mm. into. We're doing a lot of we're, we're frustrated by things. We're seeing other believers doing things that we just don't understand and right. we're angry about right. this. We see the injustice, yes. we see the poverty, we see yes. the political leaders doing things that we just are like, how is it possible that you're doing this? Yes. And, and we're, we're in this space of, we're angry. We're feeling all of these intense emotions. Mm. And if you look through scripture, then even back in, you know, biblical times, they naturally lamented wow. they, in they their, in yep. their biblical time. Lament was not something that was separated out from their spirituality. Right. It was something that was a part of who they were. They and even scheduled, even scheduled in. So today, yeah. even the Jewish culture, they, there's, there are rituals that you do after you lose a loved one up until like a year after you're, it's like a scheduled built in lamenting. This is what we do to help lament process and, and, you know, celebrate our loved one. And it's expected. Uh Yes. It's expected. And so in that space, you're going, 
um, they not only had the lament piece, but they had the scheduled celebrations Yes, that we don't take the time to celebrate Mm -hmm. things very well either. And so what we're struggling with is this idea of they had, they had scheduled rhythms Mm. of expressing their emotions that allowed them the ability to just release. Yeah. And we said, nope, we're not going to do this. Mm. And we're going to, you know, try to ignore this. And so those rhythms of of scheduled celebrations, mm. those rhythms of scheduled lament, the rhythms of just sitting with ourselves with the Lord wow. and being honest with Him. And wow. it's not about um we struggle because the productivity yes. is is right. such a big deal right now and it's highly prized and valued. Absolutely. If you're um, not doing something, being productive, right. it it is seen as a negative thing, laziness or whatever. Right. And so our society tells us that when we are being with the Lord or we're Mm. being with our people, when we're being with those people that we're in relationship with, that we're wasting time, that it's not productive because we can't see it. Um, But very much like, um, I use this illustration a lot with with people, is that very much like a factory Mm. who decides that, you know, they have these two different managers that have, you know, they're in the goal in order to move up within, within, you know, management is that you produce more, right? If your machines are going to produce more, you're going to get more. And so you've got this one machine manager over here that says, we're just going to run the machines. We're just going to like, we're going to produce the large number of things. We're just going to keep going, keep going. We're going to push our people to get the most uh, product that we can. And then this other manager that said, you know what? we're going to do this on a rhythm. We're going to produce Mm. things um, on this rhythm where we are going to um, take the time that we need to make sure that the machine is well oiled, that Mm. it is taken care of, that we go back in and make sure that it has all the parts, that we update the parts that are needed. Mm. We're going to make sure that the people that are working on the factory line are resting at times. And what, what you notice is that this one machine over here and this one group of people over here pushed to the limit and then they have more sick days the machine breaks yes. down more often right. they might be producing more like per day right. but over the long term this other machine over here is actually producing more wow. because, and on a more steady rate right. because they're taking care of right. the machine they're taking wow. care of the people on the factory line mm. and they're able to do do more, more. and do better yeah. and in the same way when we, it's not just that the product that we're producing um, is important because while the Lord just, you know, the Lord cares about what we do produce, mm-hmm. but he cares about us doing with yeah. him more. Right, right. And we miss doing it with him. Mm. You know, I just, the piece that just kind of got me one day when I was sitting with the Lord was that he, it was the sense, like, as I sit with him, sometimes it's, I, I'm just like, Lord, what just how are you feeling towards me right now like what's mm. going on like what is going mm-hmm. and and there's this sadness sometimes because he's just like you did all this stuff which was great mm. stuff but i wasn't with you wow in it. Yeah. right and i miss doing it with you wow. i miss that piece and 
And so when we, and he's a slow God, like if you go back and look at scripture, yeah. Jesus, like he's doing things so slow. Yeah. Like and they wanted to hurry Jesus up so many times, like he would miss, you know, saving this girl's life. And because he's pausing to care for this other woman who has the issue of blood and Jairus's daughter dies and everybody's freaking out, but he's, he's not moving any faster. He's taking yeah. his time. Yeah. And even with his, you know, best friend Lazarus. Yeah. Yeah, so he was like, "Yeah, he's sick. I'll I'll be there in three days." <laughs> like, I was like, what? What are you doing? And and it's this idea that it's he was more concerned about doing. He, he said, "I'm doing my father's business, mm. and I'm doing it with him." Mm. And wow. in relation to, he was always going off and spending time with with the Lord wow. and coming back. His disciples were always going. Where did you go? <laughs> what are you doing? Why aren't you here? Oh, look at all these yeah. people. They need you. Yeah. And he never got anxious right. about that. He never felt rushed. Right. And so when we're going back to that idea of how do we care for ourselves, it's that are we spending time in those rhythms right. of checking in with ourselves, checking right. in with the Lord? And it's not about doing the quiet time and reading mm. all the stuff in scripture. That is right. important. Right. But it's not about checking things off a list. Right. It's about, are we being yes. in those moments with the yes. Lord? Are we taking care of ourselves physically in that space? Are we taking care of ourselves emotionally and yes. cognitively in those spaces? Are we resting on our Sabbath? Like the mm. Lord commanded. Right. And, you know, we talk a lot about um, all the other 10 commandments that right. everybody breaks, <laughs> but we have no problem breaking that commandment where right. it says, keep that Sabbath holy right. rest. Yeah. And rest. And, yeah. and, you know, there's so much we could talk about, about that, but there's that space that of resting and we're supposed, the goal would be that we're doing our work, not, um, not to, in order to rest. Mm. And we're not like wearing ourselves out so that we get to this place of exhaustion. Right. And then it's, it's not rest. And it's then it's like not rest. It's like 20 days of recovery. Yeah. Right. Right. And, but we're actually, as we rest on a regular basis, mm. like the Lord has asked us to do, there is a faith piece that we're doing. Like the Lord, yeah. if we take this time to rest, we're trusting that you're going to take care of all those right. things that still right. haven't been done. Right. But there's also that space of where we are working from our rest rather than working to rest. That's good. And so, you know, there's a lot of really great people that are writing about this right now. Yeah. You know, you've got um, uh, John Mark Khmer that's writing mm. about this. You've got, um, you know, uh, the emotional healthy spirituality from um, Schizaro, right. who writes a lot about this. Right. Um, but this idea of working um, to integrate all aspects mm. of who we are, so right. that we can bring our best selves into the relationship with the mm. Lord so that we are then bringing our best selves into a relationship with other people. Right. And then from that place, we're going to begin to see our churches heal. We're going to be able to begin to see the, the body of Christ be what it was intended to be mm. so that people are coming in and becoming, um, we're carrying one another's burdens. It's a place yeah. of healing yeah. rather than a place of division, rather than a place of, um, just complete unhealth, which is a yeah. lot of times what it is in our society right, right now. Right. Um, and then they're going to see a difference between what the body of Christ is and the world is. Right. And we're loving, you know, scripture tells us that we're supposed to um, love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's right. But then we're also supposed to love 
our neighbor, our neighbor as ourselves. As ourself. Yeah. And we want to deny ourselves. A lot yes. of times we're thinking, well, no. that means to deny ourselves. Well, that's not what he said. No. He said to love our neighbor as mm. we are, as we are going, as we are loving right. ourselves. Right. All those are important. Um, and so in that space where we're wanting to keep all of those balanced mm-hmm. in order to actually be the body of Christ, wow. in order to be that light on the hill, in right. order to be the salt right. in the earth, like we're losing our saltiness. Mm-hmm. We're losing our, our ability right. to shine light into those spaces because we don't look much different than what the world looks like. It's so good. And I, I've, I've, I've never quite heard it said the way that you just said it, you know, we talk about being light and salt, and we think of that in terms of, of sin, right? So stop, stop sinning, stop doing this, do this. But in terms of a holistic health, holistic, and, and Pierce Casero's great books on that, uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, um, Reggie McNeil also uh, uh, talks about this in, in his book, A Work of Heart, and uh, really a holistic spiritual health that involves and spiritually involves all of our lives, everything, every part of our life being spiritual, that we will then look differently. We won't struggle with those addictions, those those issues, because we don't turn to those. We are living out of a healthy balance. And I love the word rhythm. Uh, Ruth Haley Barton in her book, Sacred Rhythms, talks about that and the integration really of of um, again spirituality or spiritual formation into into our daily life, and I, it's just it's just so well put. You have such an amazing way of of talking about this uh, mental health, but also the holistic aspect. And what comes out of you is your own experience as well as your education. But you've lived it, and you're experiencing it, and your life portrays this and. Um, so well said. Thank you so much for all of this. I, I so many takeaways that people can can uh, can take with them. The being able to kind of name an emotion and understand where it's coming from. Being able to uh, again process that emotion, begin to understand that and process that. Um, the idea of of being present and finding that value in who we are in God first, as opposed to just simply cranking out, you know, uh, the next sermon, the next um, whatever it is that we are working to do, um, that we are first finding that that wholeness in Him. Thank you so much, Ashley. I would love to have you back if you were willing to do so. Uh, so appreciate the insight that you've given and. Uh, such an important topic and I know as we've said others are writing on this and others are are talking about it but not enough and uh, we need to be talking about this more and integrating really really living as Jesus really wants us to live and this holistic idea of truly following the way of Jesus Um, and so thank you thank you for being on and for sharing wonderful Well, this has been the Nefesh Podcast. Thank you all for listening. Episode 52, and we will talk to you next time.